Good morning, Trinity Alliance Church family. Pastor Rob here, and welcome joining us on this Sunday morning once again uh, as we virtually online on either YouTube or Facebook worship the Lord and Spirit and truth together. I hope your week has been well, and I hope you're ready for some awesome worship time and an awesome message from Pastor Sean. I just want to uh, remind you of a couple things. First of all, those of you visiting with us, we're glad you're here this morning doing that. If you haven't checked us out yet on our website, we invite you to do so. Website address right here below me, um, www.trinityalliance.org is where you will find us. Go there and you can uh, check us out and see what we're all about there. Uh, also, those of you um, a part of our church family, you should have received an email about 9 o'clock this morning uh, that had some last-minute notes and things about the service this morning, as well as some attachments, the sermon notes, the bulletin, some attachments for the kids, uh, activity pages and things. And about the activity pages for the kids, if you're having trouble printing those out, let me know. We have hard copies available. You can come by the church office and pick those up. Just contact me, and we'll make arrangements for you to get those ahead of time so you can have them for your kids on Sunday morning as well. A couple things that are still happening um, um, online is our sacred space is going to continue happening, and that is on Saturday evenings from 6 to 7 on our Trinity Alliance Church Facebook um, group page. And so you can go there to Facebook, Trinity Alliance Church group, and you can log into that. Uh, if you haven't been invited, just ask to be invited, and we'll get you into that group so you can be part of the sacred space. Uh, it's a prayer time together for an hour from 6 to 7, so you can come in when you can and leave when you have to, but we invite you to be there for the whole hour and join us for that time of prayer. Uh, I also just want to remind you about tithes and offerings. Thank you for giving to the Lord through these times. Your faithful giving has been awesome, and we've appreciated that. I uh, just want to remind you that there, you can send your offerings into the church uh, by mail. We're, we're still getting those. Or you can go to our online giving platform. Just go to tacreading.info, click on the giving card, and there it will take you to our Tidely platform there where you can fill in the form, and it's pretty self-explanatory, and you can give your tithes and offerings that way as well. You uh, can also go to tacreading.info to get other announcements and information. Uh, we just want to remind you that it looks like we're going to be doing these online services for a few more weeks, possibly through the end of May. We hope we can get back together sooner than that, so you need to be watching your email for uh, announcements about when this might happen. And if you have any other questions, please just call the church office, and we'll get back to you just as soon as we can about that. So with that, let me just take a, a moment and open our morning in prayer together. Father, I thank you for this morning that, that we can all join you in spirit and truth wherever we are. I trust, Lord, that, that it will be a, an awesome experience for each one of us, that your spirit will meet us in special ways as we sing these songs of worship, as we hear your word read, as we, as we hear the message preached this morning that our, our, our hearts and minds would be stirred, that we would be encouraged, even in the midst of this chaotic time, Lord, that we would just have a, a supernatural peace that surpasses all of this stuff. And that everything that, that goes on here this morning, Lord, would serve to bring you honor and glory and would serve to just deepen our relationship with you. So, Lord, thank you for this time. We trust for your leading and blessing on it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to kick off our worship time this morning with a reading out of Exodus 3, and Larry and Donna Schaller will share that with us now. Larry and Donna here. We're going to do today's reading. From Exodus 3, 10 to 14. Then the Lord said, 
Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Amen. Amen.
Good morning, church. It is great to see you again, or at least you see me, right? God, I got, someday you're going to be in the room again, and I get to see you. You guys are all hiding behind stuff, you know, again. Come on out of the woodwork. Come on, let's see you. No, not, that's all right. You stay where you are right now. That's okay. So it is uh, it's good to be here with you. I just wanted to take a, a minute uh, to set up a video that uh, we're going to show you in a moment of uh, Larry and Donna Schaller. They've got some, uh, uh, just a little bit they want to share with uh, you as a church about how they've been kind of making it through uh, these times and what God's doing in their life in this time. And uh, it's uh, something that we want to try to do more of uh, as we continue to do these online services. And so I uh, just wanted to warn you, some of you out there, that uh, I might, you might be getting a call from me here this next week and asking you if you'd be willing to shoot a little video and uh, send it to us so that we can include it in our Sunday morning service. Uh, and really what we're looking for is just people that, uh, you know, where God has been been working and moving in your life in some way during this chaos in the, this crazy season that we're in, uh, or maybe just uh, with areas where you've seen God blessing you in the midst of the valley as we've been walking through. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Uh, we would just love to hear uh, some of those stories of what God's doing in your life and how he's just teaching you more about himself or what he's revealing to you about yourself, and uh, just to be able to encourage our congregation and, and the church as a whole, but also that it would be an encouragement to you as well. And so I uh, just wanted to also mention just briefly, uh, we're getting good news from several different people that have been having some health problems and crises this year. Uh, Kathy Brown uh, had surgery a few weeks ago, and things are looking great. I uh, just got another update from her yesterday, and it's, uh, it's looking like you know God is bringing healing to her body. And so we're praising the Lord for that. Continue to pray for her and Rich as they continue to process through all of this and some of the transitions that still need to come. Also, uh, Rebecca Moravec has been doing pretty well uh, on the other side. She's been uh, going through chemo treatments and the Lord has been providing for her and keeping her feeling actually pretty well and still able to go out and uh, work in her yard a little bit every now and then. Uh, so let's continue to pray for her, but we're praising the Lord again that things are going, going really well for her so far uh, uh, too. So uh, just keep uh, them in your prayers. Also continue to pray for Bobby Stewart. Continue to pray, pray for Karen Grace who's dealing with lung cancer. Uh, also recently we found out Bella uh, has uh, got leukemia, and so stage two leukemia, and so we're starting to process through that, so let's be praying for her and lifting her up in prayer as well. Uh, it's amazing uh, how God continues to care for us in these times, and, uh, but especially these folks who've got these extra health concerns, just ask that we as a church continue to lift them up before the Lord, that he would continue to do his work. All right, so that's all I've got for now, but we're going to uh, flip over and we're going to watch uh, the shallers and hear what they have to say about what God's been doing in their life and how they've been uh, getting through this uh, time of isolation and sheltering in place. Good morning, church family. Here we are, rocking into our morning on our front porch. So what lessons have we learned? Oh, man, I call these the lessons in lockdown. I have quite a few Children learn what they live. Practice makes perfect. Don't put off till tomorrow what you can do today and put it away, don't put it down. And there are others. Turn the other cheek, suffer in silence, and the golden rule of do unto others. Then there's James, and James says, count it all joy when you face various trials because the testing of your faith produces patience and we all need some patience and one more in Romans 5 
We also glory in tribulation, for tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. Can you find yourself in one of these statements? I can in a couple of them. Plus, God has given me a charge to be a grace giver. In fact, I made a sign that says, grace giver. There it goes. To remind myself that this is who I am and what I'm supposed to be. And I ask myself, how's this working in lockdown? Not very good. I'm having to choose into doing the right thing at the right time. And it's a lot of work. So, Larry, how about you? How about your do's and don'ts? Well, I have a little more pragmatic approach. Mine is do stay active, don't vegetate. Do connect, don't isolate. Mm -hmm. Do be smart, don't be part of the problem. Do stay in the word, don't get stale. Do exercise, don't fall off your bike and sprain your whole body. Right. Do bless others and be mightily blessed. Amen. Amen. So what have you most enjoyed during the lockdown? My most enjoyment has come from video chats and Zoom with family, church, and friends. They're so exciting. It's like having everybody right here in our front room. I love it. And what's been your biggest challenge? Procrastination. Everything that I know I should do and clean out, I leave till tomorrow. And the second one is time management. I'm finding I'm taking much longer breaks. Oh, Larry, and what are what have you most enjoyed? Well, I most enjoyed our uh, front porch and backyard uh, social dis distance visiting, um, bike rides, walks, mm -hmm. uh, just uh, finding other ways to socialize. Also, the sacred spaces, the Sunday worship, mm -hmm. uh, digging deeper, uh, all on video, just been uh, uh, very, very rich. <clears throat> How about your challenges? My biggest challenge has been cribbage with my wife. She's very good at numbers. But I'm holding my own. You are, really. That's good. It's not shallow. It is a little shallow, yes, it is a little shallow. You're right, as usual. So, what's your takeaway? My takeaway is to reignite the lifestyle of, I trust you, Lord, I trust you, Lord, I trust you, Lord. And for myself, you know, it's seeing God in the uh, little things and uh, the big things and the answers to prayer. Uh, it's um, been a very rich period. And with that, I think we should both say goodbye for now. Love you all. All right. Thank you, Shallers, for, uh, for sharing and taking the time to put together that video. Just praise the Lord for what he's doing in your guys' life. Uh, church, let's uh, go to prayer and then continue with our service this morning. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you are a God who is in control. You are sovereign. You saw all of this coming, and you had prepared us for it. But more than that, you are working in our lives through it. 
Lord, you are continuing to just uh, bring out different aspects uh, of our need of you, uh, different aspects maybe of things that we've become reliant on in this world that we need to take that, you know, stop doing that and, and put that reliance back on you. Lord, we just pray that you would continue to teach us about you, continue to turn our eyes to you, continue to work around us, and Lord, allow us to be able to recognize what you're doing. May we see your work. May we hear your voice in this time. Lord, we ask that you would continue to change us, to develop us, to refine us, to refresh us, to restore us. Lord, that you would bring revival to our church, to our community, to our nation, and to our world, that you would be glorified in it. Lord, we lift up the rest of this service to you this morning. May you continue to speak through the songs, through the prayers, through the the message that's to come later on. Uh, Lord, speak through your scripture. Speak through uh, my uh, voice uh, this morning as well. Again, not to my words, but your words, that uh, that you would challenge us, that you would encourage us, that you'd comfort us. Lord, that you would call us out into this world to be a light, to share your love. May you be glorified in all of that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, now church, I want us, you know, to stand up and get off your couches and we're going to worship this morning, all right? So I know some of you may have been a little bit lazy and staying in your couches because no one else is there. Maybe some of you haven't been singing because, you know, you don't want to listen to your voice, but let's make a joyful noise for the Lord. It doesn't have to be a nice noise or easy on the ears. Let's make a joyful noise. Let's worship the Lord together. Let's stand up and uh, let's raise our hands. Let's proclaim his goodness and his worship and our thanks for what he's done for us and what he's doing with us. Laura, take it away. (laughs) The mountains shake before you, the demons run and flee. At the mention of your name, King of Majesty, there is no power in hell or any can stand before the power and the presence of the great I
Oh, Jesus, you are the great I am. Your name is above all names. Oh, Jesus, bread of life, we remember how often you ate meals with others. Two fish and five loaves on a hillside. At a wedding feast in Cana. At home with Mary and Martha. In an upper room with the twelve. On the Galilean beach over a charcoal fire. You ate with others. And every meal was sacred. We confess to you now our hunger for bread and more than bread. The food we eat so seldom satisfies our real longings. We pray, give us your bread, our daily bread, true, true bread from heaven. And let the bread we have from you be shared by us with hungry bodies and souls beyond the reach of our own cupboards. Oh Jesus, let everything that we eat remind us of our human hungers and of your divine gifts, which sustain us. Let every occasion of the breaking of bread be as fellowship with you, who once took bread, giving thanks, broke, and shared it with the world. Bread of heaven, oh bread of heaven, feed us till we all want no more. May we trust in your ability and not our own. Teach us to see difficulties in our life from your perspective. Help us focus on you and your power. There's power in your name. Bread of heaven, nourish our spirit and our soul that we may glorify you in all things and through all things. Lord, you are worthy of our praise. Your name is above every name. So we continue in worship, Lord, through the speaking of your word. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just rain down and you would cover and guide Pastor Sean to speak boldly and with clarity your truth that would encourage, challenge, and give us more understanding of who you are. You are the great I am. In your name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing the chorus, Hallelujah, Holy, Holy, one last time as Pastor Sean comes up and joins us in the sharing of God's word. Hallelujah, Holy, Holy, God Almighty, the great I am, who is worthy, none beside thee. Good, good worship and good Lord. The amazing truth of the unity that we have through the Holy Spirit's indwelling.
with the Father and with the Son. That we would, in worship, have this amazing experience where our hearts are ignited by the Spirit to worship our Father and Son. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your amazing goodness. And thank you, Lord, for uh, humor and amazing talent. Just wanted to uh, mention briefly Adriana Davis and her amazing video she posted this week on our Facebook. Um, After I challenged you guys to write a song or a poem, she just knocked it out of the park, and I kind of said, okay, I quit. So uh, anyway, thank you, Adriana, but it's, uh, it's good to laugh as well. It's good for us to recognize in the times like this that uh, humor is part of how we cope, how we deal with this. And, uh, and so just uh, thank you for those who contributed, uh, contributed on Facebook this week. And uh, again, Adriana with her song, but so many other kind of funny uh, little memes and different things that were, were shared and dances and different things. And so thank you for doing that. Let's continue to look for those funny things and to be able to kind of keep uh, our sense of humor about uh, these strange times. And uh, may it be an encouragement to all of us. Uh, to that end, uh, the uh, title of the sermon this week, uh, Pillsbury Doughboy. Uh, that's right. Uh, I hope that uh, maybe strikes you a little bit funny as well, that we would be calling Jesus our Pillsbury Doughboy. Uh, um, because we're gonna, we'll get to why in a moment, you probably already know. But uh, anyway, so these are fun things that we can do. But before we begin to talk about Jesus, the Pillsbury Doughboy, let's uh, take a minute to review where we've been. Uh, Last week, uh, I actually finished my first sermon series for 2020. Uh, some of you are going, man, that was really quick. After last year, you know, I did like 30 messages on 1 Corinthians, and you're like, oh, man, is this ever going to end, right? Uh, but this year, we've got shorter uh, series, uh, but they're all kind of connected in different ways. And so this last week, we finished our first series on the words of Jesus on the cross. And uh, throughout their series, uh, the, the point or the subtitle kind of of that, or the title of that series was Jesus, What He Did. And uh, the point was that we would be able to look at what Jesus did through the different sayings that he spoke on the cross, his final words. And what we realized through that series is that first he took our sin and he offered forgiveness. Then he took our despair and he offered hope. He took our loneliness and offered family. He took our dissatisfaction and offered contentment. He took our separation and offered unity. He took our failure and offered fulfillment. And then finally last week, he took our death and offered eternal life. So those are the seven things that we learned about what Jesus has done for us. But I also want to remind us of why we are doing these different series this year. 
That, that, the, the reason for us going through the words of, the G, of Jesus throughout this year in different kind of small series, uh, we're gonna, we looked at the words of Jesus on the cross. Now we're going to begin the I am statements of uh, the book of John. And then we're going to go into some of his parables. And then we're also going to look at his, the Beatitudes, which he spoke in Matthew chapter 5. And, uh, but the reason we're doing that is not so that we can get to know Jesus so that we can be closer to him. The primary motivation for this year's sermon series are to deepen our passion for Jesus so that we will share Jesus with the world. Uh, evangelism is the focus, uh, recognizing that so often we, the reason that Christians don't share their faith is not because they don't know who Jesus is. It's not because they don't know the Bible in verses. It's not because they're not able to answer some of those questions. It's not because they haven't been trained. It's not because they haven't been prepared. It's because they don't, I believe, have a passion for Jesus. The things that we're passionate about, we talk about. I love football. I'm passionate about football. So you guys get football illustrations all the time. You'll get another one today. You're welcome. You're happy, I know. woo But the things we're passionate, out, passionate about, we share, we talk about. And so this year, it's about deepening our passion for Jesus. And as we do that, through getting to know who he is, how we're getting to know what he's done for us, as we get to know the things that he provides, the, the people that he calls, and the things that he empowers, we will deepen our passion for him, and so that we will just begin to automatically start to talk more about Jesus. In the previous seven messages, in the previous series on what he did, at the end of each message, I asked a question of some form around this kind of question. Who do you know in your life who needs what Jesus is offering? The reason I ask that question is that we have to recognize that as Christians, Jesus didn't just die for us. He died for the whole world. And it's not just for us to celebrate. It's not just for us to be happy with what he has done. We need to share that with the world. The world needs Jesus. Perhaps more so now than at any time in its history, at least in recent history. The world is looking for hope. They're looking for love. They're looking for something to put their trust in. The things that they normally have trusted in are beginning to fail them or have failed them. They need Jesus. So church, as we continue now with the second series uh, for the year of 2020, I encourage you and, and I pray that God would continue to deepen our passion for Jesus and that he would continue to reveal to us those in our life who need Jesus and that we would be bold enough and have the courage to share what we know about Jesus with those people. The second series is going to be entitled, is entitled, Jesus, Who He Is. And we are going to address this who he is, or discover this who he is, through the I am statements in the book of John. Now it's important at the outset of this series to understand the importance of I am. 
Now, if you've been around uh, Christianity for some time, maybe you are already up to speed on what I am means. But just in case you may have missed it or maybe new to the faith, I think it's important that we revisit what this means and why this is so why this is so why this is so important. It starts with the reading that we had this morning that uh, the Shallers read for us in Exodus chapter 3. It's uh, the burning bush, and God is speaking to Moses and uh, telling Moses that he's to go to Egypt and he's to talk to Pharaoh and to say, let my people go, basically, right? And, and then Moses says to God, well, you know what? When I get there, the Israelites, they're not going to believe me that I've you know, been sent by you, so who am I supposed to tell them that sent me? And God answers with this phrase, this statement, this name. He says, I am sent you. Tell them, I am sent you. So for, for Jews, this name took on, this became the name of God. It wasn't a name like uh, the fish God or, or, or you know, the land God or the fertility God. It was the I am God, that he was, that he is. That he is life. For Jews, this name became sacred and holy. And no one would ever use it. You know, for us, uh, you know, today, you know, in, in this English-speaking world that we're in in America, right, the, uh, we, we say I am all the time. I am a Seahawk fan. <laughs> I am happy. I am, we say it all the time without even thinking about it. But in the days where Jesus, when Jesus existed, the I am statement was pretty sacred. They didn't use that much. Now, they would still use it occasionally, but they never would say just I am because that was the name of God. They would never take that on for themselves. They would never uh, 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 you know, use it just flippantly. Matter of fact, it was so holy that they wouldn't even speak the name of God, wouldn't even write the name of God. In the Old Testament, we see that every time this I am statement is used, every time the name of God is used, they don't write it I am. They don't, you know, Y-H-W-H would be the Hebrew letters that would be I am, but they don't use that. Instead, they substitute Adonai. It's because that name was so holy that they wouldn't write it. So we need to understand that at the time of Jesus, This was the perspective on I am. And with that perspective, then we understand a little bit more why in John chapter 8, when Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. Why the Pharisees picked up stones to stone him. This is why. I mean, this was a big deal. It wasn't just Jesus saying, hey, you know, I existed before Abraham. No, no, no. He was saying that he was God. It's why in Luke 22, verse 70, when Jesus is before uh, the Sanhedrin, before they, they try, or in, in his trial, he says to them that it is as you say, I am. And after he says that, they stand up and they're like, Do we need any more witnesses? Is there any more testimony that's needed? He just convicted himself. He said that he is God. See, Jesus was the only one who claimed and freely said that he was God. 
At the beginning of a, a series on the I am statements in the book of John, I, and at the beginning of an even a, a series that's going to explore who Jesus is, we have to first and foremost understand that Jesus was God. The other statements that we're going to look at in the book of John, we see something a little bit different happen. The two statements I just gave you were, he just kind of said, I am, and he stopped. He was clearly saying, I am God, but or that he's God, and he's taking that name. But in this series that we're going through, he actually adds like some kind of qualifier or descriptor to I am. So it's not so much that he is just saying, I am God, but now he's telling a little bit about who he is, who God is. And he says things like, I am the bread of life. He says, I am the light of the world. He says, I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the vine. These are the I am statements, and each one has a descriptor after the I am statement that is there to help us to understand a little bit more about who this Jesus is. But understand that these descriptors are not meant to be seen as literal, right? Jesus is not literally the bread of life. He's not a loaf of bread. He's not the Pillsbury Doughboy. But are meant to be seen as symbolic. They're also not meant to be, these seven statements, I am statements, are not meant to be all-inclusive. In other words, they're not all that God is or all that Jesus is. They're only partial. These are only some of the things that Jesus is. But on the other side, they're also not meant to be like just one of many. Jesus is saying in each of these statements that he is the only one that is these things, these different images that he gives us. And so let's go ahead and dive in to the first statement that Jesus makes about himself in regards to the I am statements in John chapter 6, verses 47 to 41. It reads as follows. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is not this Jesus the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So we see Jesus start 
And we begin this series with Jesus as the bread of life. Now, bread is a pretty simple perspective, uh, a, a pretty simple image to understand, right? I mean, bread is a staple of life. It is really needed for existence, but we need to be careful not to think that Jesus just grabbed this perspective, this image out of thin air and just said, oh, uh, uh, bread of life. Yeah, I'm the bread of life too. You know, why not, right? No, no, we understand in the story here that Jesus had just fed 5,000 plus people with a couple of loaves of bread. And so this is fresh on their minds. Matter of fact, there are hordes of people that are following him now, and all are seeking more bread to fill their bellies. But Jesus turns it all up on its head in this, in this passage, in this chapter, where he says, no, 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 okay, I, I know you're looking for bread. I know you're looking for me to feed your bellies, but you need to understand that I am the bread of life. And this has nothing to do with filling your bellies. It has to do with filling your spirits, filling your souls. Jesus was not concerned with their physical lives. He was concerned with their spiritual lives. And so he uses this bread of life example, this imagery, in order to drive home a couple of very important points about who he is. First of all, he is The one who ignites, initiates all life. All life comes through Jesus. In John chapter 1, I think it's verse 3, it talks about the fact that all things were created through him. Nothing was created that has been created except for the things that he has created. All things has been created from him. We have to understand that Jesus being the bread of life means that he is the initiator of all life. Now, we, uh, you know, 21st century, scientifically minded, enlightened folks, uh, we have, you know, kind of figured out pretty well, you know, what it takes to have a baby, Right, Debbie? <laughs> We've got that figured out. Had three of them. Woo! Uh, so, yeah, we kind of, you know, we're in the 21st century. We've got all of this technology. We know how to have a baby and what, you know, the things, you know, anybody except for our little kids who ask us, you know, where babies come from, we can answer that question without problem, right? Uh, you know, we, we know what's going on. We know the processes. We know also the scientific, the chemical reactions, the things that are happening, you know, on all of those levels. Matter of fact, we have become so advanced that we can, you know, start life uh, outside of the normal, natural way of starting life. We can do it in a laboratory now. Matter of fact, we even have the ability now to kind of choose whether we want to have, you know, blonde or maybe brown hair or maybe blue eyes. We can actually manipulate now DNA and and have the child that we want. Now, of course, uh, whether or not that, I mean, that's not widely being done, but we have the capability. But what we don't realize, I think, is in humanity. See, we, we kind of get flipping about this, and we, and we know how life works. We know how to start life. We're, we're gods in ourselves. But what we don't realize, what we overlook, is the fact that we can create the physical body, but we can't create a soul. You see, Jesus is the only one who can create A soul. See, humanity, a a, a person, is not just flesh and blood. 
It's not just bones. It's, it's not just a body, a physical body. It also includes a soul. And without a soul, it is not a life. It's not a human. It's not a person. We need to remember and be reminded that every life takes a miracle. You know, we, it happens so often, right? We have thousands of babies every day that are born around the world, right? And, it's so, and so it's just so commonplace that we just don't even think about it. But we need to be reminded that every one of those births is a miracle. They would never have happened and will never happen unless Jesus breathes life into that physical body, brings a soul into that body in order to make it a person. To make it alive. This is an amazing and beautiful and powerful truth that we must always remember. But Jesus is not just the initiator of life. He's also the sustainer of life. See, Jesus is the one who knows the beginning from the end. He's the one in Hebrews 1.3 that allows everything to continue under his power and his watchful eye. More than that, in Psalm 139, it says, not only did we, do we understand that he knitted us together in our mother's womb, but he also knows all the days ordained for us before we even have one day. What this means is that we have a Jesus who is not just the initiator of life, but he's also the sustainer of life. He knows every death date. He's never surprised by death. You know, we can get pretty frustrated with God sometimes when we lose a loved one prematurely in our mind. When they die maybe of an accident or if something was totally unforeseen or some sickness that just kind of came on them suddenly. Even, you know, especially our children, when we lose them and when they're kids, it's just horrible. We can get bitter and angry at God. Say, what are you doing, God? But we need to understand, first of all, that death was not created by God. It is sin that created death. See, God has created us to be eternal beings. But because of our own rebellion, taking our and using our free will to rebel against our Savior, our Creator, our God, and His plan, death entered the world. But that's not all. We also need to understand that because Jesus knows our death date, he is with us. He knows it's coming. He will be there with us, and he has the power to redeem us. And again, we talked about this last week, the fact that he took our death, that he died for us, and then he rose from the dead. And because he rose from the dead, we have hope that we will be risen with him someday as well. See, we have a Jesus who is not just the initiator of life, but he's also the sustainer of life. But we must also understand one more important point that I want to bring about in regards to this bread of life. That Jesus is not just some, you know, kind of 
you know, stale, kind of old, dry bread that just kind of, you know, just, you know, sustains life. Like, you know, we just, we just kind of eaten that, that bread in order just to kind of make it through. Like, it doesn't taste good. It's not, the, it's not like it's fresh baked, right? None of that. It's just kind of this old, nasty bread or whatever that just is kind of, no, it's not, it's not the kind of bread that he is. He, he is the sustainer. He is the uniter of life. But he's also sweet bread, There's an abundance to the life that he offers when we feast on his flesh. It's it's something that is sweet and beautiful and wonderful. John 10.10 says that Jesus has come that we would have life and that we would have it to the full. In other words, it's not meant to be just a horrible life, a a horrible existence where we just kind of barely scrape by and get by. That he has an abundant life for us. And this abundant life, I think, comes to us in three different ways. First, it comes to us through, I think, freedom. When we live our life without Jesus, when we choose not to accept him as the bread of life or to see him in that way and to surrender our life to him, then we will live a life that is kind of robotic because we are enslaved to sin. You know, we may try to do a lot of good things, but understand that everything we do when we are not doing it in the light of Jesus, it is always going to be selfish. And in essence, our selfishness controls us and causes us to do all these things and our motives get messed up and screwed up and all of those things. And so everything that we do, it tells us in Isaiah 64, 3, 6, uh, that we, it's filthy rags without Jesus. But with Jesus, we have freedom. We get to enjoy the, the fruits of our labor. It's, it's amazing the difference that life makes because we're free to, to behave and to do things and to follow Jesus wherever he leads. We're no longer controlled by selfishness and sin. We're able to do righteous things, good things, not because of our power, but because of Jesus' power. And we get to enjoy those amazing righteous things. The second aspect of this sweet bread of life of Jesus is that it's a satisfying life. You see, when we live a life without Jesus, without recognizing uh, him as the bread of life and and focusing on him and seeking him and following wherever he leads, then our life is empty. It's like uh, getting a, a beautiful box gift, a beautifully wrapped Christmas gift uh, at Christmas time, right? I mean, it's this nice, you know, good-sized box, you know, like not going to be something kind of cheap. No, this is going to be a good gift, right? And you get this nice, big Christmas gift, and you're all excited, but then you find out when you unwrap it that it's actually just a white elephant gift. And then it's like, you know, a, you know, a little you know, snow globe or something that's like that big, you know, oh, yay, right? This is the life without Jesus, This is the life that happens when when we don't focus on him and recognize that he is the bread of life. When we're not feasting on Jesus, when we're trying to do it on our own, then everything we do is kind of empty. We get to the end of our life when we go, ah, that's it? 
what ends up happening is other people actually end up enjoying and appreciating all the things that we've done or created if we did create anything in our life instead of us getting to enjoy it. But when we live our life for Jesus, when we understand that he is the bread of life and focus on him and seek to please him and to follow him wherever he leads, then it is a satisfying, fulfilling life. We get to the end and we recognize, oh my gosh, look what all we've done and experienced. But also, every step along the way is fulfilling and enjoying. Even the monotonous things and the routine things all of a sudden become exciting. All of a sudden have meaning to them and excitement to them. And you recognize as well that even the life that seems meaningless and poor, even the life that, excuse me, not meaningless, even the life that seems to be boring seems to have no value, is very valuable. And that leads to the next point, which I'm kind of falling into, and that's the fact that with Jesus, our life is meaningful. It's meaningless without Jesus. Ecclesiastes 12, uh, the whole book Ecclesiastes talks about everything is meaningless, right? Over and over again, all these things that King Solomon did and explored and experienced in his life, and he found out everything was meaningless except for following Jesus. The life without Jesus is truly meaningless. It's like, it's like a preseason football game, right? I mean, none of the stats matter. It doesn't matter that Russell Wilson threw for another 10 touchdowns, right? It doesn't matter. He doesn't get those stats on his career record. It doesn't, it doesn't matter that they won every preseason game or if they lost every preseason game. It has no impact on the regular season, has no impact on whether they make it to the playoffs or not. So those who are not seeking Jesus, those who are not living their life for Jesus, it's like they are constantly practicing at life but never getting to enjoy any of the benefits of it because the true benefits only come through a life that is focused on Jesus, that is following him wherever he leads, that is sitting at his feet and saying, Lord, what do you want? What do you have for me today? The bread that Jesus offers is, is, is again, is a sweet bread as well. The amazing reality through all of this is we under, when we understand that Jesus As bread of life is the initiator of life, the sustainer of life, and the fulfiller of life. When we understand those things, we are drawn to him. We're drawn to to want to trust him. I mean, think about it. If if he truly is the, the initiator of all life, don't we all owe him our life? If he truly is the sustainer of all life, again, don't we owe him our whole life? If he truly is the fulfiller of all life, don't we owe him our whole life? So what we realize when we understand these realities of who Jesus is, is that Jesus is enough. He's enough. And because he's enough, we can give up relationships with our family or friends in order to follow him wherever he leads. Even when those family members or those friends are really, really important to us. Even when we've become dependent on them. When we understand that Jesus is the initiator the sustainer and the fulfiller of life, we can give those up 
We can give up careers for Jesus. Or perhaps some of those job promotions if he calls us to. That we would recognize, again, if he's the initiator, if he's the sustainer, if he's the fulfiller, then we're going to follow him wherever he leads, even in our careers. That he's, we'd also be willing to give up our reputations. That we'd be willing to look like a fool for Jesus in this world. We would give up maybe our influence or our impact on others. Perhaps you've got a great name and you've got a lot of people that respect you, but perhaps you've never shared about your love for Jesus. We can also give up our finances and the security that comes from those. We can recognize that it's all His and that we would never make a big purchase of any kind unless we feel like that's something that God's leading us into. And also we would be willing to give up our health. Give up our sleep, maybe, so that we can spend more time with him in prayer. Give up our safety. Be willing to go to places in the world where it's not safe to be a Christian. You know, we, we have, as American Christians, have gotten so kind of used to living in this level, a certain level of comfort. You know, we've gotten used to, you know, kind of being able to enjoy the blessings of this culture. And I'm not saying that the blessings of the culture are all bad, but we've gotten actually maybe some of us addicted to it. And I think maybe this virus and the sheltering in place has begun to reveal some of that for us. The areas maybe that we have realized that, oh my gosh, I actually think I'm addicted to that. And I'm not talking about alcohol necessarily or drugs, and certainly that's an addictive you know, chemical, but I'm talking about addicted to the blessings of this culture that we live in. Addicted to you know, having you know, a nice house or a nice car or having all these amazing relationships and friendships and being able to get around and whatever you do, whatever you want to do, or to be able to be in a school that you know, makes you, you know, that's really nice and has great teachers and be able to you know, interact with your friends, all these kind of things that maybe we have become addicted to. And so anyway, we kind of get this idea that uh, when I begin to talk about as a pastor the things that we can give up because Jesus is the initiator and the sustainer and the fulfiller of life, you go, whoa, gee, that's a little radical, don't you think, Pastor? But, but I would like to turn that on its head for a minute. Because don't, don't you also think that it would be extremely arrogant to tell the one who initiated our life, sustains our life, and fulfills our life that he has no access to our life? So I want to ask the question kind of in closing, and uh, worship team, you can come up as I do so. Question is, do you know Jesus as the bread of life? Have you accepted that he is the bread of life? Have you remembered or recalled or thought about the fact that, that 
that Jesus was the one who initiated your life, that he did a miracle in order to bring you about into this world? Do you recognize that each day that you live is a gift from Jesus, that he is the one who is sustaining you each day, that he's the one that knows your death date, and he's the one who's going to continue to be with you even in that and through that and to the other side? Do you recognize that Jesus is the one that makes life worth living? He's the one that satisfies. It's when we follow his path, when we listen to his voice, that life all of a sudden takes on meaning. Even difficult lives, even lives that are filled with sorrow and struggle and pain are still meaningful when we understand and we're living it for Jesus. But here is the good news. The good news is that Jesus is trustworthy. We can trust him with our life. We can give all of these things up because we know that Jesus is a good, good God who wants what's best for us. He's not trying to harm us. He's not trying to hurt us. He's not trying to mess with us. He's trying to bless us and he knows that the, lo- the one who lives their life focused on Jesus, following wherever he leads, are the ones who are gonna enjoy life to the fullest. They're the ones that are gonna have the most meaning, most satisfaction. It's gonna be the life that is the grandest. It doesn't matter what it looks like in this world. So do you trust him with your life? Church, I want to encourage you this morning, if you've forgotten some of these things, some of these realities about who Jesus is, that you would not only be reminded, but that you would once again surrender your life to him. He is trustworthy. He's good. He has your best interest in mind. He knows all. So let's surrender our life to him today. Let's trust him with our life so that we can enjoy a full life, a sustained life, an eternal life with Jesus, our Lord. Worship team, let's sing a couple songs. And all of you more than enough for all of me for every thirst and every need you satisfy me with your love all I have in you is more than
Heavenly Father, we uh, just thank you for your amazing goodness and love for us, that you are the initiator of all life. But thank you that uh, it takes a miracle every time a baby is born. You have to step in and you have to breathe life into that child. And Lord, that you have breathed that life into every one of us. Lord, help us to understand this more fully. Drive this truth deeper into our heart. That we would recognize that our life is not our own. That, Lord, that it's not our own necessarily just because Jesus died for us, but it's not our own because it has been a gift that's been given to us. A gift that's meant to be passed on just like all other gifts that you give us. Lord, when you bless us, you want us to use it to bless others. Lord, may we enjoy that same reality. May we accept that truth that this is the life that we have is a gift from you. And may we be willing to give it away to follow you. Not just haphazardly without thought, but as we seek you and as we follow Jesus, as we listen to his voice, that we would be able and willing to give away all that he asks of us because we know we can trust him. Because we know that our life is secure in his hand. John chapter 6, just before what I read earlier in verses 35 to 40, listen to what Jesus says here. Jesus says to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. In Jesus' name, amen, and God bless, and alleluia. And let me leave you with this question, church. Who do you know in your world who needs to know Jesus? Who do you know who is is wrestling and struggling because life is not satisfying, because the things that they've put their trust in have failed them? Who do you know in your life who is, is living a meaningless life and needs to find meaning, needs to find the bread of life, needs to find Jesus? Church, identify who they are and then go and share with them the love of Jesus. This is what we're meant to do, to pass on the blessings that we've received. Church, let's do it, and let's do it well. And let's continue to worship. If you're able to stick on the line for a little bit longer, we'd love to chat with you and just continue to worship together and fellowship together for the next few minutes uh, and get to just enjoy some more uh, wonderful worship music from Laura and her team. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week.
All right, church. We're going to sing a classic. What a fellowship. What a joy divine. Magnify God. 